you're listening to Radio Influence. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is the email. Now, that's Crush with a K. We've had some people reach out via social media saying they couldn't get to us on the email. They were spelling Crush with a C, but it is Crush with a K. So, info at Crush Performance, and that's Crush with a K. If you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, or if you have a topic you'd like us to investigate, or you might need some help, let us know. If we don't have the answers in-house... I can guarantee we know somebody that does have those answers, whatever they might be. And for your topics, we have dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your ideas. And today's one of those shows coming from the crush mailbag and some of the correspondence we've had over the last couple of weeks. Um, that's what this show is all about. So we're going to get into a couple of things here. We're going to talk about self-evaluation today. We're going to get into the crush mailbag um, Jake wrote in this last week and I want to answer Jake's question. And Jake's question was basically, you know, if we had to choose one thing to focus on to improve performance, what would it be? It's kind of a loaded question from Jake. There's a lot of things to discuss there. We're going to get to that in the next segment. And then finally, we're going to talk about injury prevention and maximizing your training time. You know, in this competitive landscape we're in, we're focused so much on playing games when and where do we address the athlete development side? How do we make our athletes more coachable, more adaptable? The athletes and the coaches out there from grassroots right up to our pros are limited by the athletic abilities of our athletes, the ability of our athletes to execute what needs to get done in order to push performance forward. Now that changes as athletes grow and progress through the system and as they mature and sort of work their way up the ladder of performance. But there's always something to address. And working that in sometimes, especially at the minor levels where there's so much going on in an athlete's life, can be a real challenge. And we're going to talk about how coaches can take advantage of some real critical times and what athletes can do to help make themselves more coachable, more adaptable, and in the end of the day, more valuable as a player. It's a long game for sure, but optimizing the time that we have is critical and there's so much time available, not just to increase performance now, but also to decrease injury. It's a very important conversation and there are some great opportunities out there as we mentioned. So that's all coming up in today's show. It's going to be a jam-packed one, but let's get to it. I want to start today's show off with a question for you. Speaking of tough questions, if there was one word you could use to describe yourself, what would it be? There's no rules here, but if you're sitting around with a group of strangers or people you've just met, and you're going to try to give them an idea of what you were all about in one concise word, what would that word be? I mean, think about it if you need to, or just blurt it out if you have an idea already. I have a word for me, and it was right there when I was thinking about today's episode and putting together the 
sort of timeline, uh, when this topic came up, I, I, my words right there and it came out with quite ease. I didn't really have to think about it. I was kind of surprised. And then when I evaluated it afterwards, I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably the one word I would, would use. You know, I sort of reflected on it to see if there was maybe a better word that might describe me to somebody. But if I was going to let you know, if you didn't know me at all, and you came up to me on the street and said, hey, you know, I want to go for lunch? I said, sure, absolutely. He said, well, give me one word that describes kind of who you are and what you're all about. There's one word that I would say without hesitation for me. I am going to share my word at the beginning of next week's episode. I don't want to influence what you think. I don't want to influence what, what, what word you choose for yourselves. So I'm going to share my word next week. I'm also going to be asking these questions all this week on social media, uh, at Jeff Crush on Twitter and a Crush Performance on our other social media platforms. And just to see what people say, I want to know what you guys say here. This is a really, really important exercise. And it's not as easy as you think. I mean, we're pretty complex, right, as human beings. And it is really difficult to sort of nail down one word that describes what we're all about. And, you know, given the opportunity, it might be an essay or a paragraph, right? <laughs> we could all probably, you know, do that about ourselves. But to narrow it down to one word is a really tough exercise, but it's so important. It really truly is. And I would like to know what you say. Now, if you don't want to share, you know, on social media or, you know, on some of the comment areas uh, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, um, e email it to me, info at Crush Performance. And I won't share it. If you don't want me to share it, I won't share it. But listen, I am really, really interested on the words you guys use to describe yourselves. You know, we do this with our athletes and some of the words are actually very interesting and insightful. And it's a great exercise on top of it all. All right. It's a tough one. Again, we're multi-layered and complex, but if you had to be clear and concise with one descriptive word, what would it be? Let me know. I'm actually very interested. And again, I'm going to share my word at the start of next week's show. All right. Here's the thing. We're not really all that good at self-evaluation. Memories are unreliable, perspectives can be skewed, egos get in the way, and depending on where you're at on any given day, all right, and how you're feeling about yourself, your self-image, all of these things influence how we evaluate ourselves. And it's incredible how quickly that self-image or that self-evaluation can change depending on the circumstances, depending on how we're feeling. Maybe not so much on the character side. You know, you kind of get an idea over time of what you're truly all about. Maybe that's what this one word is. Really just, boom, putting my stamp on it. This is my flag. Pow, there it is. This is what I'm all about. The character side might be a little more stable, but in terms of your confidence, your daily performance, your aggressiveness, you know, how you feel you're doing on this particular day or how you're uh, doing and achieving a task or a goal you're shooting for, these things can and do change. And it's really important to have a perspective of what you're all about, what you're trying to do, and where you're at in terms of the goals and objectives you're trying to achieve. And it's really, really important to establish your character, if for nobody else, for yourself, what you're all about. And then there's another important side to this whole conversation, and that's the people around you. If you don't have really good, honest, and experienced people around you giving you feedback helping you along your way, it's really hard to know where you're truly at. You know the saying, 
it's hard to see the picture when you're in the picture. Well, that whole concept could not be truer, especially when it comes to self-evaluation. And that's where good, hard, honest feedback and direction is so important. Nobody does it alone. And that's why we always say you have to be very selective about the people around you, that inner circle, that three, four, maybe five people in your circle who really influence who you are. And when it comes to sport performance and achieving your goals, that is critically important, right? You have your family, you have your friends, you have your teammates, you have your coaches, you have your trainers, teachers, you know, there's all these people around you and everybody's probably there to help. But if they're not adding to your story, if they're not fueling your fire, and sometimes by brutal, hard honesty, you sometimes need to maybe adjust who it is you let inside and who you trust in terms of opinions. You know, we always say, I I always say this anyway, I shouldn't say we, I always say this to my athletes, all of my athletes, the young developing athletes, right up to our pro guys. Listen to everybody. Honestly, just listen, take the criticism. When you're in the pros, take all the garbage you hear from the opposing fans. And even, you know, we, we stay away from media, just stay, do not listen to the media. But when people are, you know, giving you criticism or they're, you know, giving you high fives, take it all in. And then one of the power moves in sport is deciding what's truly important for you at that particular time. You can't let the media or fan opinion or, you know, people who don't really know what you're all about. You can't let that stuff get you down. You've got to look at it, listen to it, absorb it, find out if there's any truth or any importance in the things that you hear out there, and then act on it. Does it fit into your plan and where you're at right now? Because people aren't inside. The people who aren't inside your circle don't really know. The people who don't get to go into the locker room and hear the conversations, hear what the coaches are saying, hear what the master plan is. And I'm not just talking about pregame interviews. I'm talking about being in that locker room. When you really know what's going on and everybody's working towards a goal with purpose, when things aren't working out the way it's planned, well, that's when things get tough. But that's also when you have to sort of step aside and evaluate what you're hearing. All right. But when it comes to helping you achieve your goals and helping you grow and get better, you have to decide what gets in. The late and great Harvey Dorfman, who was one of my great mentors, um, he was one of the groundbreaking mental performance coaches early, early on in the, in the sports psychology era of sport. Um, Harvey would always say, listen, I don't care how you feel. I only care how you act. And a lot of people might think that's pretty harsh. But that whole conversation is built around self-control and sifting through all of the distractions, the worry, the stress, the anxiety, and doing the right thing in the moment. I don't care how you feel. I only care how you act. Sounds pretty harsh, right? But that's only part of the story. That conversation would always be coupled with this. People can only affect you If you allow them, a situation can only affect you if you allow it to affect you. 
And ultimately, at the end of the day, you're in control of how it affects you. Powerful stuff. But if you only heard part of the story, you might think, wow, man, that doesn't sound too, you know, too positive, doesn't sound too encouraging. I don't care how you feel. I only care how you act. Of course, he cared how you feel. But in the moment when performance is important, those things cannot influence your actions, cannot influence your performance. And that's the greater picture. It's just like not being in that locker room day in and day out to hear the full message, right? You might be able to hear a coach's comments or you might hear players talking or you might get an idea through the media of what a team's trying to accomplish. But unless you're there day to day and you've all been there, if you've been in sports, even in youth sports, you know, hey man, is this team playing to win? Is it playing to have fun? Depending on where, what level you're at, what's the goals and objectives of this team? Or if you're an individual athlete, What's the goal and objective of you and your, your support staff, your support team, right? At the end of the day, the self-evaluation is really, really important. Knowing where you are at is critically important if we're truly going to help you progress towards your goals. Athlete development and improving performance outcomes is just a series of problem solving. But if the problem is not clearly defined, it is very, very difficult to fix. You know, we always say, you've heard it on the show probably many times if you tune into Crush Performance, a problem accurately defined is already partially solved. And it is very, very difficult, again, to fix a problem or address an issue if the problem or the issue isn't crystal clear. And that's why it's so important to be good at self-evaluating. Here's a great example for you. This is a situation that really um, made this apparent to me. It was about 10 years ago. I was traveling into one of our academies, an elite, an elite high school college academy. And, you know, I was in there for about the fifth or sixth time that year. And the conversations that were going on were very, very similar from the first time I was there. And the approach of the players and the things they were practicing were, were very, very similar. And that's fine. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but some of the conversations going on around the training were, were interesting to me. So here's what I did. I, without telling anybody, uh, over the course of the week, I just went and talked to each player individually. And I simply asked them, hey, hey, how, how are things going? Um, what are you good at in the game? Like, what were your strengths? If we are a scout sitting in the stands watching you play, what would our report say going back to our organization? What would that scouting report say? Like, what are your strengths would be one of the questions I would ask the players. And we'd walk through it. Hey, this is what I'm good at. This is what I do well. And I do this for all sports, but this particular academy was a baseball academy. And then the second part of the scouting assignment or evaluation would be, okay, if we're going to send this back to our organization, we've got your strengths down, but what are the areas of potential? All right. And then we always frame it this way. You know, it's not like, Hey, where do you stink? Or like, where are your weaknesses? Or, you know, Hey, that part of your game sucks. No, 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 no. That's not how we frame it at all. Where's the potential in your game? All right, we always we know you have to attack your strengths, but where is the potential? So what are your strengths? Where where is the greatest potential in your game? And what do you need to work on right now? Like what's the focus for this next period whether it's preseason, in-season, uh pre-game, whether it's going into the off-season. What is the next thing you need to work on from an athletic standpoint? Speed, strength, power, flexibility, agility, vision, whatever it might be, or from the technical tactical side? Game performance, performance outcomes, what's going to make you a better player? 
And that would sort of be our quick little question, a questionnaire that I ran every player by. Nobody knew I was doing it. And then I went with the coaches. I got the coaches together one night. Say, hey, guys, listen, man, you know, it'd really help me out if I could get your feedback on the players. Like, we just go through the roster and just, I'll get your feedback. So we sat down and we got the coaches together and said, okay, guys, let's go player by player. All right, player number one, what's his strengths? Like, what does he do well from the coach's perspective? And these are great coaches. Oh, my goodness. So, so you can imagine there's some really good feedback. And I said, okay, where, what does he need to do next? Like, where's his area of potential? Like, what are the things he needs to do now to really, really push his performance forward? And some of it was very, very technical. Some of it, some of it was general. Some of it was holistic life stuff. Like just getting organized, you know, being on time, um, you know, eating well, sleeping well, those types of things. But everything was covered. It was fascinating. And then, you know, hey, what are they working on right now? Because we were building their performance programs and we needed that information. Okay, out of 21 players, how many players do you think had the same self-evaluation, the same evaluation as the coaches? Keeping in mind, these are experienced, great coaches. Okay, that's the question. I'm going to let that sit over this commercial break. How many of the 21 players, okay, and the coaches had no idea that I'd sat down with these players and asked them the same questions. How many of the players had the same answers to those questions as the coaches? I think you're going to be fascinated. I'll give you the answer right after this quick break. And a great question came into the Crush Mailbag from Jake yesterday, and I really want to address it just in time for this show. Okay, if I had to choose what is the most important thing to address to get better in your sport, what would it be? Well, I have the answer, but it might not be what you or Jake might expect. That's all coming up right after this on Crush Performance. Stick around, everybody. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. If you'd like to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. We've got a new website coming. Keep your eyes open. It's in the works right now. We'll keep you posted. We're very excited about this. In the meantime, in between time, info at Crush Performance is our email. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and on all other social media platforms. Search out Crush Performance, and we can hook out there. All right. A really busy day today. We started off talking about self-evaluations and one word that you would use to describe yourself. If you're just sort of getting to know a new team or a new group of people and they said, hey, can you give us one word that's kind of sums up what you're all about? What word would you use? Okay, we're going to be asking this question on social media. So hey, if you'd like to share, I'd love to see what word you would use to describe yourself. Now, I have a word that I would use. When I thought of this uh, question and we're working out the show timeline, uh, when we came up with this, um, my word came to me almost instantly. There's one word. It's almost like it was sitting there waiting. It's just waiting to be said. And then, you know, in retrospect, after I said it the first time, I'm going, hmm, is there a better word? And for the life of me, I can't find a better word. All right. It's probably the first word I would use to let you know what I think I'm all about or what I try to be all about. 
All right. That's, that's how it comes across. And uh, I'm going to share my word first thing next week. Okay. I don't want my word to influence what word, what words you would use. Um, but I'd certainly like to see what words you would use. So, so okay, comment on social media. We're going to be asking this question on every platform, or if you'd like to share it with me personally and not see other people, uh, not let other people see it, just email me, uh, info at crush performance. That's crush with a K. Okay. Cause I am legitimately interested. I am now from this day forward going to do this exercise with all of my athletes. Okay. And it goes back to that story I just told here in the last segment, you know, about those athletes who, um, we sat down and asked them to sort of self-evaluate. Okay. And out of those 21 players that we sat down with, and again, I, uh, to sort of recap the story, I went into one of our academies and just noticed a few things. And I wound up sitting down with each and every athlete and I asked them, Hey, what are you good at? Hey, what do you, what do you need to work on? Where's your greatest areas of potential? And what do you need to focus on right now? Okay. It's kind of like, Hey, you know, we were a scout sitting in the stands, looking at you play and practice and go about your business. What would our report say? What would that report say? The the report we're going to send back to our organization. What would that look like? And so I did that with each of the athletes at this academy, elite high school, college academy. And then without the coaches knowing that I did this, I sat down with all the coaches and went through the roster. And I said, hey guys, listen, I'd really love to get your feedback on each of the players. And I asked each coach or the group of coaches and great coaches, by the way, just spectacular coaches, um, what, what they thought about each player. What were their strengths? What's their greatest potential? What are they working on right now? Like, what do they need to do? And of course, we're building the performance program. So this is vital information for us. But a fascinating thing happened. All right. Out of the 21 players, the question I left you with in the last segment was out of the 21 players, how many of them answered those questions the same as the coaches? And honestly, I'm going with the coaches here. Years and years of experience, fantastic coaches. So their evaluation of the players, um, uh, we're going to go with. Of course, some of these coaches also scout for pro teams as well. So they've been through scouting school. They're great, great baseball people. This was a baseball academy. And I've done this for volleyball teams. I've done this for soccer teams, football players at every level of, of sport. All right. Um, but at this particular academy, this was 10 years ago. This is one of the first times I did it. And it just happened because I noticed a few things. So I just did it. But out of the 21 players that I spoke with, only two had the same self-evaluation as the coaches. And these are elite players. Imagine this now. All right. And this is why we watch sports. This is why we analyze sport because there's a strong, strong message here and it's nobody's fault. All right. It's nobody's fault at all. It's just one of these progressive development things for the organization, for the coaches and the players. So only two players and really only one and a half. The second player was close, fairly in the ballpark, but not bang on. The other player was bang on. He'd obviously been conversing and listening to the coaches. On the other side, okay, the coaches who really do have an opinion and a plan for each player, all right, the fact that the players didn't have a good idea of what they're good at, what they need to work on, where their potential is, and what they're working on right now um, really sort of reflected a breakdown in communication, right? So we spoke to the coaches about this. I actually showed the coaches the answers. And where one player might say, hey, man, my strength is my hitting. I can hit to all fields. No problem. I can hit anybody. The coaches would say, hey, look, this kid really needs to work on his hitting. 
He's going to struggle. He does okay. He's a pretty good hitter right now, but at the next level, he is going to struggle unless this happens. Or another player might say, hey, my defense is my strength. You know, I can throw the ball and, 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 and cover some ground. And the coaches might say something like, okay, well, this guy, you know, uh, he's a pretty good hitter, uh, but man, he needs to work on his range. If he's going to play the middle infield or if he's going to play, you know, in the outfield, he's got to work on his range. Things like this, right? And I'm paraphrasing a bit, but you get the idea. Only two players had the same sort of self-evaluation as the coaches, which indicates two things. One, there wasn't a lot of great communication going on or the, the athletes weren't, weren't tuning in and getting the message. And two, what we're talking about already, we're not good at self-evaluating. Without getting strong feedback, strong, consistent feedback, it is very, very difficult to progress. And that's a very important lesson. And we've incorporated now in every single one of our programs, a player evaluation program. It's kind of like a scouting report. And yeah, you might say, hey, yeah, organizations are doing, have been doing this forever. This might be a little bit different because without the athletes knowing, without the players knowing, we sit down and we drop this bomb on them. Hey, what are you good at? What do you need to work on? Da, 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 even before anybody in our organization has given them feedback. And then we go back to a scouting report and we look at, you know, all the data and statistics and analytics. We look at their play, their history. We talk to the coaches. We talk to the players and parents, depending on the age of the player. And we have built our evaluation and we see how they match. And then we sit down and we have a conversation. And let me tell you something. That might be one of the most powerful things we do to help our athletes succeed. And again, I have to be perfectly clear here. You know, it's fun to talk about, you know, playing pro. It's fun to talk about getting a college scholarship. And it's very doable, by the way. People are doing it every single day. But not everybody gets there. Here's what we say, all right? And you've heard me say this before. We don't know how good you can get until you've gone through the process. But if that process isn't set up properly from the get-go, man, oh man, are you fighting an uphill battle. This really evens the playing field. And it also gives us clear, concise perspective for the athlete on where they're at and what they're all about right now. And for the people who are helping that athlete achieve and work towards their goals, so important. So keep that in mind, self-evaluation. And again, this one word, that one word may change as you mature and develop and work forward. That one word might lead to another word. All right, again, for the people who are just tuning in, we've asked everybody today, if there was one word you would use to describe yourself, one concise, clear, concise word, what would that one word be? That's a tough exercise, but it's also very telling, okay? And I'm gonna give my word next week. All right, so think about that word. You can change it, but when you post it, let's make sure that's the word you want people to see, okay? Oh, man, I'm glad we've had that conversation. I feel better now that we've talked about that. Because it's so important. It's so important to make sure the athlete and the player and the performance team, everybody's on the same page. Okay, and we're seeing that more and more in sport, of course. Uh, but we just want everybody to be aware of it. Really, really important. Of course, also very important to crush performance and everybody here is the great conversations we have with our listeners. All right, the feedback you guys give us, the questions you're asking, the topics you throw at us for the show. Okay, fantastic. And again, we've dedicated segments. We've dedicated entire episodes to your questions, we've gone off the deep end to track down some of the best people in the world on a topic to help answer your questions. And again, as much as we like to get you guys thinking, you get us thinking. 
And that's what it's all about. That's the, the fun of it all. What a great team we make. So in the Crush mailbag just yesterday, uh, email came in from Jake and it said, Crusher, hey, I can't wait to hear more about the talent and brain game themes for this year. And for those of you that don't know, um, our two main themes for 2021 are talent, talent ID and talent development and the Crush brain game. So thanks, Jake. We got lots of great stuff coming on that. We're going to set up a couple of very, very in-depth series coming up here as the spring rolls on. Um, So thanks for that. But here's Jake's question. If you had to choose the most important thing we need to address to get better, what would it be? Jake, my good man, that is a fantastic question. And here is my incredibly frustrating answer. I know it's going to be frustrating. There is no one particular thing. Okay. It greatly depends on the person, the situation and the goals and the objectives and where they're at right now. Much like those athletes at that academy that we just talked about that had their self-evaluations done, even though they're all sort of in the same competitive level, each and every one of those athletes had different needs at that particular time. And when I was there doing that evaluation, that was preseason. We were just weeks away from starting the season. It was a critical, critical time. So it's kind of like our one-word question today. What's the one word that you would use to describe yourself? For our athletes, we talk about this concept called player context. It's really important, especially in our world. It's one of the things that I personally really hang my hat on, is understanding where that players come from getting a clear, crystal clear idea of where they're at right now, and then also where they're hoping to go. And that perspective from the athlete's point of view, and also from the organization or the team they're on, including the parents. Very, very important. You get the whole support team involved here. And it's very different for everyone. Again, depending on their growth, you know, their their skill, their obligations, what's around them, you know, the 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 decision-making process here for a professional athlete where we live, eat, and breathe performance 365 days a year is very different for a college or a high school athlete where they have so many other obligations. And hopefully maybe even for some of the younger ones, they're playing multiple sports still. They have classes. Some of them might be doing uh, part-time jobs. All these things have to be worked into the equation. So it's very different for each individual that we're addressing. But the history does play a very important factor here. This whole concept of player context. We'll have a show on this later on if you guys want. We'll talk about player context and what it's all about because it's incredibly important. I like to get that context and I like to get it crystal clear to define where they're at right now. Not to pigeonhole them into a category. That is not the idea here. And it can never be the idea. I mean, if you look at stats and data and analytics right now, It paints a picture of what's happened in the past, maybe up to present day, but it doesn't. It doesn't determine what's going to happen moving forward. That's a big mistake that's going on in sport right now. We could take any athlete on the planet and totally annihilate any analytics program out there just with some dedicated work and time. Like for example, let's just say, uh, because baseball, spring training's underway. Let's say um, you have a profile and a makeup of a competitive or a competitor's pitcher, a pitcher from another team that you're going to be facing here coming up soon. And you've got the breakdown, you've got the analytics, you've got the data, you've got the analysis, you know, this pitcher inside and out. But what you didn't know is we've taken that pitcher to some secret training ground in the mountains for six months. And we've been working on his strength, 
his fitness, his flexibility, his range of motion, and the coaches have been working on a changeup that he's never had before. And then we throw him back into the mix to compete against the teams that have all their data and analytics. But what they don't know is what this player looks like now. And we blow them out of the water because they had no idea what's going on. Let's say we take up a hitter, a hitter that is a typical pull hitter, a line drive pull hitter. And we've taken that guy back to our little mountain training ground. And we've worked on his vision, his anticipation, his perception. We've worked on his rotational strength. We've increased his bat speed and power. And he comes back into the mix and he can hit the ball with power to any field now. And all the data up until then is showing that he's a pull line drive hitter. Do you see what I'm saying? And this is one of the big transitions that's happening now. You know, everybody went crazy on the analytics. And if you get a chance to watch Moneyball, do, do so. I, you know, whether it's a huge, very accurate account of what actually went on, it's a pretty good story. And I think it does depict at least the, the sign of the times, you know, with the data and the analytics. But there's a couple of things in there that, that are pretty interesting. You know, how they describe how baseball and the evaluation of players was so wrong at that time. They just weren't analyzing players right. They're looking at numbers that just don't matter. But what people are misinterpreting or not understanding about all those analytics is all it does is paint a picture of right now, tendencies and trends. We can annihilate those tendencies and trends if we just attack them with purpose. And I think we're starting to see that now. And that's why we watch sports with great interest because this is happening in every single sport. There's not a lot we can't train. And at the professional level, our goal is to make a player as valuable as possible. And how do you do that? By making them as competitive as possible. Coachable, adaptable, trainable, and being able to do things that maybe they haven't done before. It's fun stuff, all right? And so, so that's where you can't get too caught up in those numbers. But you do need to have a clear picture of where that athlete is at and where they need to go. And that might be part of the picture, deciding where they need to go based on the data that's out there right? It's important stuff. That analytics and statistics and data is incredibly important. Don't get me wrong, but it is not the end all be all for anybody out there. Trust me. We use it against the other teams as much as they try to use it for themselves. All right. So Jake, getting back to your question, here's what I can say. Here's what I will answer because I firmly believe this. And this is why we talk about it all the time. And Jake, I know you listen to the show based on your email So I'm going to repeat something that we've said many, many times over and over and over again. The top priorities for performance. Okay, so there's not one particular thing that I would address without knowing the individual. But what I could say is if the priorities aren't addressed, if the basics and fundamentals aren't addressed, we've got some serious work to do. And again, they are in order, sleep, rest, and recovery. Okay, if an athlete's not sleeping right, that is ground one. Because everything else you do, everything is influenced by the quality of sleep and the rest and recovery strategies that we have in our programs. All the volume, all the intensity has to be factored in based on how much quality rest and recovery an athlete can get in any given time period, in season, off season, and depending on the level they're at. Number two, nutrition, hydration. Hydration is maybe the lowest hanging fruit you're not hydrating properly, you don't stand a chance. You don't. You're not performing at your best. And then, of course, nutrition. And that's a big conversation, but the simple principles are there. 
and then posture range of motion, not just for performance, but for injury prevention as well. We know for a fact we can decrease injury okay, by setting up a proper posture program and then movement. Okay, those are the four things. And then, of course, the brain game. The brain game is going to be established as one of our top priorities. It is going to become the fifth one. And we're working this year, as Jake mentioned, to decide where in our hierarchy is the brain game going to land. Is it going to be the first thing, maybe even before sleep? Or is it something we address after all the fundamentals are in place? We'll find out for sure. So there you go. Great questions. Great conversation, everybody. I love it. All right. Speaking of movement and injury prevention, where do you fit this into your daily schedule? If you're not a professional athlete where we have, you know, a 24-hour period to work with, where are we going to work in the athlete development side? How do you make your players more coachable, more adaptable? We're going to lay it out. I'll give you my thoughts right after this on Crush Performance. Stick around. If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text Crusher at 101260 and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is, the Crusher. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. There you have the boys from The Whale and the Wolf bringing us back in from the commercial break. Great sound. The boys are really rocking it out. Talk about talent and talent development. One of my favorite up-and-coming bands right there, The Whale and the Wolf, for sure. Thanks to those guys for uh, providing us that great music. All right, your questions, comments, smart remarks, get to us, crushperformance.com. Today, we've asked you guys to give us one word that would describe yourself. What would it be? Let us know. Info at Crush Performance is the email. Or answer comment on one of our social media posts. We're going to have this posted everywhere all week because I really am interested on what that one word might be. That one word you would use to describe yourself. Okay. I have my word and I'm going to share it at the start of next week's show. I don't want to influence your answer. I have one word that came to me quite quickly, by the way, I didn't have to think about it, but then I thought back, is that the word I would use? And I'm not changing it because I sort of hit the nail on the head. I think, uh, right out of the blocks. So send me your words. Let's share our ideas and let's see what we think of ourselves. (laughs) Hopefully it's positive. And you know, we're always a work in progress. These words could change. That's the ebb and flow of everything that we have. And you know, when it comes to connecting the dots for performance, you know, there's an ebb and flow to coaching. There's an ebb and flow to athlete development. There's an ebb and flow to everything we do. We're constantly progressing and moving forward. And if you're in the competitive world of sports, whether it's, you know, elite high school sports, college, or getting into the pro ranks, um, the more clear you can be in defining yourself, I truly believe the better chance you're going to have in achieving your goals, whatever they might be. Again, we don't know how far you can go until you go through the process, but that process had better be good. It's different for everybody, but it better be set up right and clearly defining Where you're at right now and what you're all about is a big part of it. So get us that word for sure. Okay, we just talked about self-evaluations. We answered Jake's question from the Crush Mailbag. Again, Jake, thanks for that question. Keep them coming, everybody. We could do show and show again on the questions that come in. We answer every message we get in the Crush Mailbox. But I wanted to answer Jake's on the air because that's an important question. It came in just yesterday. What is the one thing we would focus on uh, to get better in sport? And there's no one thing. 
I will say this, however, okay, because it is individual. It depends on where the athlete is at and depends on where they want to go. The player context we talked about is really important. But those crush priorities, those crush fundamentals, I just, they can't be changed. Okay. If those aren't in place and the, if they haven't been addressed, you're fighting an uphill battle. And so we're really encouraging everybody to look at those four priorities and make sure that they are, 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 are being addressed or have been addressed or are part of your just routine. Okay. And then the fifth one that we're working on this year is one of the main themes uh, for crush performance in 2021 alongside talent, talent ID and talent development. And that's the brain game. Should the brain game be a top priority? Typically, it's been reactive, right? Even in the psychology world or sport performance world, uh, when a, somebody's having problems, then we address it rather than attacking, getting in front of it. And we've had lots of conversations over the last five years here on the show about you know taking care of this before it becomes an issue because there's so much you can do to improve your performance from the mental side, but also there's the whole psychology side. It's a big broad scope type thing, the brain game. We've got some serious series coming up here in the spring. But when we talk about those crush priorities, posture, range of motion for increased performance and decreasing risk of injury. And then of course, movement is what sport is all about. You know, in the lower levels of sport and youth sport, uh, we don't do a great job of preparing athletes for, for the sports they're involved in. Even as we get into the more uh, junior high, middle school and high school and even club work, you know, we, we focus so much on the technical, tactical side. And here's something I'm going to say, and let me know if you disagree. Every coach and player out there, all right, is limited in their ability to move sport performance forward. They're limited by the athletic abilities of their athletes. And we do not spend enough time in our competitive year-round schedules, okay, in our annual planning, addressing the athlete holistically to improve coachability to make them more adaptable, more, more well-rounded, more robust would be a great word, all right? And it's hard to do at the younger levels. When, when our, we have our pro athletes listen, it is a beautiful thing. We organize their days, their weeks. We organize them in the off-season, in the preseason. We organize them in the competitive season, okay? Because that's, that's our main focus. That's their lifeline. That's their, that's their job is to compete and get ready and to improve performance. It's a beautiful place to be. One of the most challenging places in sport is youth development because we all want to play the games. Unfortunately, for the most part, games take more than they give back. So we have to find time to round out and develop the athlete so we can not just improve sport performance, but have a dramatic influence on the risk of injury, decrease risk of injury. Where can we do it? If you're a youth coach, if you're a high school coach, if you're a college coach, well, you know, the colleges are pretty good right now. They got strength and conditioning coaches and, and performance teams. So they're pretty well taken care of high school. Well, they might have an athletic therapist, but they're really, really sometimes limited. We're starting to see weight rooms pop up in the high schools now, and it's a fantastic thing. But if we were to look at the opportunities over the course of a weekly schedule in youth sport or, you know, elite, even in elite sport, there's a couple periods of time that are just underutilized, I feel. Everywhere I travel and, you know, when I go and observe teams and other sports, I'm just seeing a lot of time that could be used better. And for me, the warm-up period and the cool-down period are two dedicated times that you have with your athletes that you can make a massive 
massive impact. One of the top priorities for me for the warm up period and the cool down period, you know, outside of getting ready to compete, increasing levels of readiness is injury prevention. And it works. It really, really works. A well designed warm up can have a dramatic and significant impact on reducing injuries. In fact, there was a great article published by the National Institutes of Health a couple of years ago looking at the impact of the FIFA 11 Plus warm-up program. And they looked at data of teams that did it regularly, teams that did it once in a while, and teams that didn't do it at all. The teams that did the warm-up program properly had a 46% lower injury rate, a 46% decrease in injuries just by doing the warm-up properly, and a 28.6% decrease in time lost due to injury. That's if the teams were doing it regularly as compared to the teams that weren't. Another study that was published in BMC's Journal of Sports Science, Medicine, and Rehabilitation looked at youth soccer players, and they found that teams that did it regularly had a 30% decrease in injuries um, at the youth level You know where they're not competing as often. Those are massive, massive numbers, and we see this pretty much in every sport. There was another great study done looking at the impact of structured strategic warm-up on the game of basketball. And this was by the Sports Injury Prevention Research Center at University of Calgary. And they said the risk of lower body injuries may be reduced by up to 50% by regular participation in a, in a functional dynamic warm-up. 50% decrease in injuries. Why wouldn't you? And what the studies don't talk about is the influence these warm-ups can have on athletic ability and performance outcomes. I have seen it with my own eyes. The warm-up systems and the warm-up programs that we put together, whether you have seven minutes or whether you have 20 minutes, and the cool-down periods that you have, whether it's a short time or a long time, can be really, really impactful in terms of performance. We call them movement periods. We really get the athletes moving. We know the dynamic warmups are more conducive to increasing sport performance, but we can actually teach them how to move inside those periods. Even with our pro players, we use these warm-up periods to increase athleticism, to challenge them and teach them. Teach them how to run backwards. Teach them how to change direction. Teach them how to interact with the ground. Movement, movement, movement. And then the cool down. That's when we work on flexibility. That's when we talk shop. That's when we review and break it down. Okay, we could talk about this all day. Really, really important. That is where you can do it. We'll talk more about this. We're going to do some webinars on this as well on the new website on warm-ups, warm-up strategies for injury prevention and improving athletic performance. Okay, everybody, listen, we are way out of time for today. Great conversation. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for all the messages. Keep them coming. And remember... Send me your one word. What word would you use to describe yourself? Let me know. Check out our social media if you want to comment there or just email me, uh, info at Crush Performance. I'll give you mine next week. Next week, we start our kickoff to the baseball season. We'll be talking with Donovan Santez, Assistant Director of Player Health and Performance for the New York Yankees. And we'll start outlining the Crush teams, players, and storylines to watch this MLB season. All right, that's it for today, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. Don't forget to ride. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles quick fix on Radio Influence. We had uh, an unfortunate loss last week when, uh, I mean, I heard it on air while I was on air on Monday, the unfortunate passing of uh, Vincent Jackson. And 
You know, I, I considered Vincent a friend of mine. You know, we weren't close buddies, but anytime I needed him for something business-wise, I would hit him up and he was good for it. Well-liked and well-loved in our community. I mean, haven't heard many bad stories about Vincent Jackson. Haven't yet. All right. Now, the unfortunate part is, you know, looking at all the details from the situation, you know, having you know been in the league for a while and heard some stories you know, we came, we got on air on Monday. We were having a good time. And then uh, my, you know, co-host, you know, Jay Retcher, he said, uh, Vincent Jackson. And I said, well, what's going on? And he told me about his passing. And then when you read about the particulars, the first thing comes to my mind is CTE, the first and foremost. And we talked about it briefly on Monday and all the way through the week. And we had some people say that it was irresponsible for us to be talking about that prematurely. Uh, I have to disagree wholeheartedly. When an NFL player as well-liked as he was and as established as he was and as loved as he was um, ends up dying in a hotel by himself, you don't see an issue with that? Now, Vincent Jackson was supposedly in that hotel for over a month by himself in Brandon in a seedy motel by himself, nobody around him saw him anywhere. There's no stories of him being in any bars. There's no stories of being walking around anywhere. It was just Vincent Jackson in a hotel for a month. If that doesn't stink of something, uh, then you're not looking. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.